This is the Bloggist Podcast, a new type of podcast here to connect brands and influencers in a way that has never existed. This is the podcast where brands and influencers can come together to synergize worthy opportunities to reach new audiences and new heights. We'll interview both influencers and brands to talk about quitting the nine to five, building up your base one connection at a time, and what brands should know about your audience in order to leverage theirs. Brands meet influencers, influencers meet brands. This is the Bloggist Podcast. Welcome back to season three of the Bloggist Podcast, everyone. Can you believe it? I, I truly can't believe it that we're on our third season already. This podcast has been such a joy as we've been able to speak to so many notable people in the influencer industry, from influencers, entrepreneurs, and marketers who truly get the ins and outs of this industry and are making amazing strides in what they're doing. We feel so honored to be a part of this narrative. And now that we're back and better than ever for season three, what can you expect from us? Well, a whole lot of candid discussions about how to best set your business up for success in 2021. This year has been so hard, and I feel like all of us really need to just end it feeling inspired and ready to start 2021 better than ever. And our goal is to make sure your business is in a healthy place financially in terms of setting true goals and strategically so that you can be better than ever when you start the year next year. A lot has changed this year and the industry has shifted a great deal. But the one thing that we have seen is that the influencer marketing industry is here to stay. Why? Well, for many reasons, and we'll be diving into all of these reasons in season three. The season is going to be so great, guys. I cannot stress it enough. And if there's anything you want to see from this season, do me a favor. We don't talk enough about in our podcast how important it is to rate and then leave a comment on iTunes. So whatever platform you're listening to our podcast on, I know many people listen on Spotify and other apps and other streaming services such as SoundCloud. iTunes is really important for just getting our podcast seen because they're discoverability, right? Um, so if you could really just go ahead and if you have the podcast app on your iPhone, leave a comment and let us know what you want to see more of. And then that will actually dictate some of the upcoming episodes for this season, which I'm really excited about. But now for this episode. So the first episode of season three. In this episode, we talk a great deal about why it's so important for our community to find their tribe. We talk a lot about why Instagram by nature has been such a powerful platform. But as we all know, there's a lot of other platforms out there. And it's so important for you as a business owner to really think about who are the people that I am speaking to? Who who is my tribe? And from that, where do they ingest content? Do they ingest content from LinkedIn? Do they ingest content from YouTube? Where do they ingest their content? And because this topic is so important, finding your tribe, speaking to them, and strategically building content so that they will do what you want them to do, I'm so excited to introduce Angela Nickerson, who's a member of our bloggist community as well, who really is a mover and shaker when it comes to thinking about utilizing Pinterest as a key platform to build her business and drive traffic to her website. So this podcast episode is actually really important. And I want this to be something that brands and influencers listen to, because I think one of the big things that we're hyper-focused on as we start next year is marketers thinking about where is my customer, right? If your customer does not ingest content on Instagram, it's not a valuable and smart investment 
investment, investing your marketing dollars on people who have strong followings on Instagram. If your community, right, is a group of DIY enthusiasts, working with someone like Angela, who has an incredibly strong uh, footprint on Pinterest, who, you know, has built this footprint of people that look to her for DIY tips and tricks. And Pinterest by nature is such a clickable platform. Brands, start looking to people like Angela who have really thought about where is my tribe, right? And I know where my tribe is and I build for them. And so I want marketers who are subscribers of a podcast to listen to this episode and really think about, okay, maybe my tribe is not necessarily on YouTube where we've been putting the majority of our influencer spend. Let's really take a step back and think about who is my target audience? Where do they ingest content? And how can I best align myself with an influencer who has a really strong foothold within that social media platform so I can best engage with that person, right? I can find my customer. And so during this episode, we sit down with Angela to talk a great deal about how brands can best align with influencers who have really strong followings on Pinterest. And a little bit more about Angela, she is the founder of Mid-Mod- Modern Mama, a destination for those looking to learn more about new home improvement projects, photography, sewing, organization, and so much more. As a result, she's built an incredible footprint on Pinterest, really dedicated to DIY enthusiasts looking to learn different ways to build, say, a a side table or build a bench, right? And I know what DIY has quickly become a massive category in 2020 just because so many people are looking to be productive, use their hands. And as a result, Angela has seen tremendous, tremendous success, and which is why we invited her to this episode because we really wanted to get to the bottom of how you, our listeners, whether you're a brand or whether you're an influencer, can optimize your Pinterest account to get the most views as well as clicks because clicks then result to web traffic, and web traffic is how you can make money from your audience. We talk a lot about how to optimize your Pinterest account to get the most clicks, and then at the end of the episode, so you want to make sure that you listen through to the whole thing because at the end of the episode, we talk about how lucrative Pinterest can just be as a platform if you focus on it. This episode was a really important one, which is why I wanted to have it be the first episode of season three. I cannot wait to hear what you think of it. And don't forget, if you are listening to this, hit pause right now before you dive in the episode when you're taking notes throughout the episode. Let us know what you want to see more of this season. This will help guide and shape our conversations throughout the next few episodes. We can't wait to hear what you think of this episode. And be sure, again, to screenshot it. Let us know that you're listening. Tag us at bloggers co as well as mid modern mama she angela is such a great follow um, and we cannot wait to hear what you think about this episode let's dive right in thank you so much for joining us today on the bloggist podcast absolutely thank you for inviting me to kick things off because i don't know if you knew this actually but this is the first episode of season three which we're super excited about but um to kick it off for all of our listeners who have been really excited to participate now season three i'd love if you could introduce yourself and kind of talk through a little bit about your amazing online business that you have started so i'm angela nickerson my primary blog is midmodernmama.com I have been doing this on and off since 2007, which is super fun. My background is as a writer and the author of several books, travel books, and other things like that. I also write an annual Christmas planner. It's published every year, so that's really fun. It's called The Nice List. I kind of got into blogging as 
a sideline between projects or places to publish things that I didn't really have an outlet to do that for, which was has been really fun and really gratifying. So Mid-Modern Mama is largely home decor, parenting, a little bit about just kind of books I'm reading, for example, that kind of thing. But it is largely about our renovation of our mid-century modern house here outside of Denver. That's kind of the niche that I've carved out for that particular blog. Awesome. Well, I mean, across the board, you are such a multifaceted entrepreneur. And I want to get my hands on that, the holiday planner. How can I find that? I, I definitely want to get one of those. I, I love a good planner. I need more in my life. I think it's so important, like you talking about your niche in particular. And so one of the reasons why we were excited to have you on this podcast is obviously we've gotten to know your business over the course of the past few months and are so excited to get to know it more throughout this episode. But you obviously kind of talked a little bit about your website. And I think for everyone listening, you know, we work in an industry, right, where um, we hear about all these massive tech conglomerates, you know, doing incredibly well throughout the past few years. And as a result, our businesses have become very reliant on platforms like Instagram and Facebook. And one of the reasons why I was really excited to have you come join this episode is specifically for the marketers who listen to our podcast, um, as well as the influencers and entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast as well. Um, We wanted to really dive deeply into platforms that are not Instagram and Facebook. And so I actually would love if you can kind of kick it off and talk a little bit about like the backbone of your website and how it actually kind of has seen growth since you started thinking about ways that you can drive traffic to your blog. So I know that SEO and Pinterest are really cornerstone parts of the success of your website. And so I'd love if you could talk a little bit about like why you feel blogs and websites are really as powerful as they are. I mean, I have my thoughts, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. And then additionally, I want to start talking a little bit about your foray into thinking about ways to market and strategically um, like build content around your blog and your website. Because if you're just posting content on a website, that's absolutely not a way to successfully grow a business by any means of the imagination. Right. Yeah. So this isn't something new or novel, but Pinterest is an incredible tool to use to organically grow your traffic. And the thing is, to be successful on Pinterest, you have to have a solid understanding of SEO, search engine optimization. You have to know what people are looking for because fundamentally, in many ways, Pinterest is like the visual Google. People go there to find answers to questions in the same way that they go to Google or Bing or any other search engine to find answers to questions. And so you have to be able to, you have to use good SEO tools. And if you are doing that with a target of Pinterest, you're also going to boost your traffic on your website through Google as well, because the two things work, they work the same way. And so it's really helpful when I think about the back end and I think about what I am writing about and how I am writing and the question that I am answering in whatever it is that I am writing, I am thinking about are there people asking this question, first of all, and what kind of a good answer am I giving them? And into that response, I am building some of the keywords that people are searching for. I actually don't do it when I'm writing. I go back through in an editing phase and build those keywords into my answer so that when people are looking for 
the answer to a particular question, like how do I make my bedroom cozier, for example? If they're looking for the answer to that question, and that's what they're going to type into Google, or that's what they're going to type into Pinterest, I want my response to that question to come up in the first couple of responses. So when I'm thinking about what I'm going to write and how I'm going to frame a question, I'm always thinking about that. I'm thinking about how is it that this particular response is going to answer questions that people already are asking. And that helps drive then traffic to my website because when they find that pin or they find my answer on Google, they will come and visit me. And as a result, about 90% of my traffic is fairly evenly split between Google search responses and Pinterest responses. And I have lots of pins that get repinned and that kind of thing. People are saving them for later, but there's nice steady traffic that comes as a result of those two things. I have so many questions, but I think the the first question, the most important question is if I am someone, and I actually think like I'm excited about where this conversation goes, but I, I think this is definitely more so geared for our listeners who are, you know, content creators and influencers. So, you know, we understand that Pinterest is a powerful platform, right? We understand that SEO is really powerful for your website. And so for all intents and purposes, we're talking about Pinterest, but do you, how do I, as someone who says I have built a, you know, online business through Instagram and Facebook. And now I'm really thinking about the fact that, wow, I don't own my you know Instagram account. I don't own my Facebook page, um, but I own my blog. If I am really thinking about ways to um, optimize my website so it isn't just driven by Instagram, it's so clear based on what you've just shared is, you know, the power of Pinterest and Google is like people are going out of their way to search for that content. It's, it's active. It's not passive, right? So Instagram is a passive platform where I'm just scrolling through and you probably haven't sold me on the fact that this is an item that I need, but Pinterest by nature is a platform that I'm going out of my way to find something thing because I need that, right? I want style inspiration. I want a recipe. I want maybe like a new health, you know, health and fitness, like routine tip and trick. I'm going out of my way to find that, right? So as someone who is building now, say an online business, is it important? How do do I think about my Pinterest account? Am I thinking about, okay, I want to grow my reach on Pinterest. So, you know, as a result, I can grow traffic on other platforms or other places, my blog, other platforms. Am I thinking about like, what are people looking for on Pinterest? Or am I thinking about, I want to sit down and write this blog and I'm going to go to Pinterest and make sure I kind of understand the search queries that people are looking for as it pertains to that blog. So like it's the holiday season, Thanksgiving's coming up. Am I thinking about like my favorite holiday Thanksgiving recipe? And then after I'm going to Pinterest to maybe optimize like all of my content to ensure people are actually looking for that kind of content on Pinterest? Or is it important for me as I think about my holistic content calendar to build my content around what people are looking for on Google and Pinterest? That's a tricky question. There are some people who build their entire blogs writing only about targeted keywords. I think it's really obvious when people are doing that personally, because I think you lose kind of a genuine interaction if you are not um, 
if you're not genuinely writing about the things that you care about, that you're passionate about, and if you're not writing in your own language, you're stuffing in keywords and you're, this is why, by the way, you pull up a recipe on a blog and it has 18 paragraphs before you ever even get to the recipe of about this personal story and this, that, the other, and it often doesn't even make sense. Those are people who are very clearly keyword stuffing and that Google is trying very hard. In fact, I just got an email today from Google that they are updating their analytics and one of the things they're trying to do is weed out that kind of content. So I don't recommend that actually at all, because I think at some point Google's algorithms are going to get to the point where it doesn't reward that. They're working really hard to kind of weed that out. So I think it is much better to sit down and write what you're going to say. And then, you know, if you have something to say, for example, right now I'm working on some content that has to do with how to build a cleat wall, which we are working on in my one room challenge room right now. So a cleat wall is not something that people are going to Google a lot. That's not something most people, it's not a term most people are going to use. I'm still going to call it a cleat wall. But when I go back into my post afterwards, I'm going to go into Pinterest and into their business tools. And I'm going to look for what are some of the keywords that I can use and then organically edit them into my copy. I will also use them to write my SEO tag for that particular post which because I'm a Squarespace user, that is a really easy way, easy place for me to put that in. And there's some other places that I can work those keywords in, but I'm very careful about that because I don't want to sacrifice the integrity of what I'm actually writing and the clarity of directions. And I don't want to include text that isn't necessary just to target keywords. So I'm really careful about how I do that so that in the end, the people who read this aren't frustrated and immediately click away because they can't actually get to the content that they're interested in getting to, if that makes sense. I think it's really important. And because I come to this with a writing background. I mean, this is how I have made my living. It's teaching writing and writing. I look at this from a slightly different lens, but I don't want to play the keyword stuffing game because in the end, that's not going to serve the people that you are writing for, your audience. And it's not going to serve you very well because those posts, you may get a lot of clicks, but then you're going to have a really high bounce rate as a result. And part of the update that Google announced today is that they are going after that bounce rate. They want to be able to weed out that low quality content where people have put in a bunch of keywords and this won't serve people well on Pinterest either. But if you put in a bunch of keywords, but your content doesn't make any sense, that content is going to be weeded out in search results. So high quality writing continues, Google continues to work, and this is true for Pinterest too, continues to work to reward content that actually is real content as opposed to keyword stuffing.
if that makes sense. That is, it's meaningful and it isn't something that I, you know, come to and I see it's written with keywords that make absolutely no sense. And me as a viewer, I it simply am not gathering any true value at all. So even when we think about the term content creator, it's, it is cross platform. It is, it is, a, you need to build content is a cornerstone of a successful online business. What do you think about building a blog, really. So if I am someone who is really thinking about, okay, so I have a, a, a product, right? And this is, I think, kind of pivoting the conversation a little bit. Um, I have a product and I'm thinking about how I can get it in the hands of people. And this is why one of the reasons I was so keen to have you on the, the podcast is I feel like one of the biggest issues in our entire industry is we are, again, so keen on these platforms, Instagram and Instagram really. But by nature, the fact that you just said Pinterest and Google are active platforms and Instagram is a passive platform. So, and YouTube really is too. YouTube is an active platform as well. I'm, I'm going in and I'm looking for things. So why do you think our entire industry has become so dominated by the, the scroll of Instagram and Instagram content when we really, at the end of the day, and I think that this is really the polarization in our industry. And I'm going to be honest with you, Angela, like really what will happen is a company will come to someone and they'll say, you know, who has a established Instagram following and will say, all right, I'll pay you $2,000 for an Instagram post. And a lot of people listening, you know, you, you've been in that situation, but sometimes what happens, is the brand will come back and they'll be like, well, we didn't see the ROI from this relationship. And it's like, well, you never at the end of the day took the time to really think big picture and say, what is my overarching goal here? So for all of the people listening to this podcast, my hope is the one thing you take away is it's important before you ever think about diving into working with a content creator, first think about what is my overarching goal here, right? So if my goal is like direct clicks and attribution and sales, then Angela is the perfect person to work with because although Instagram is not the power, like the powerful platform that you operate on, the fact that you build content around genuine things that you care about and passion are passionate about and mid-century modern home decor, which I personally love, is such a massive, like everyone loves the kind of West Elm aesthetic and, you know, of mid-century modern decor. And people are looking for that, right? And so rather, and if I am going into Pinterest to actively search for something like a design, um, or I'm going on Google and looking for some sort of design decor, I'm going out of my way. And Angela, you pop up. So it's important for you as a marketer to think about what is my overarching goal here? And if the goal is direct attribution and sales, then you better believe really looking to people and partners who have that click rate and have that conversion rate through Pinterest and SEO. That really is the power of brands and content creators working together in a harmonious way to drive impact for these businesses. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. When I think about Instagram and Facebook versus Pinterest, so Instagram is all about instant results. And the thing is, like in home decor, for example, a $5,000 couch is not an impulse buy. This isn't something that, that somebody is going to see in someone else's picture and say, oh my gosh, I have to have that couch right now. Or there are very few of us who can make that kind of purchase and just think about it and do it right then. That isn't, Instagram is kind of about brand awareness. So like if I'm working with a brand on Instagram, I'm thinking about, okay, so this is a brand I think my people should know about. These are products that are great quality, or this is a service. For example, I am a brand ambassador for a composting service here in Colorado. 
it's a fantastic relationship because they come to my house and pick up compost every week. I don't have a lot of followers who are going to think, oh my gosh, when she posts once a month about compost, I need to compost right this minute. That's not kind of how that works, but I am telling them Compost Colorado is a fantastic company. They will come to your house. They'll pick up your food waste. I talk about it at least once a month. This summer, I've talked about them a ton because I got compost from them for my garden. Every time I talked about my garden, I was talking about this wonderful compost and how amazing my soil was, and people could see what was happening. So that is, that's Instagram. It is, it's kind of instantaneous. But in home decor, there's not, you were talking about building brand awareness and brand relationships through Instagram. With Pinterest, you are answering people's very specific questions. You don't go to Instagram to find out how to build a compost pile, for example, or a compost bin. But you do go to Pinterest to look for that. So on Pinterest, when you are answering these very specific questions, You're talking about a long, slow burn, but it is a long, slow burn. For example, I have a blog post about how to build the desk, actually, that I am sitting at right now. I built this and wrote this post almost exactly a year ago. It got so-so traffic until about March when suddenly everybody was having to work at home and they were starting to figure out, I've got to put a desk into my house because I have to be able to work at home and manage everything that's going on. And suddenly that post took off. So here we are a year later and it is one of my highest traffic posts, especially from Pinterest, but also from Google because I have targeted some good keywords in there. And so I ranked very highly for how to build a desk out of countertops. And I have good detailed instructions. This is exactly what you need to do in order to be able to do this. So Pinterest is the long burn. It's playing the long game. And as somebody who's in marketing, sometimes I think it's hard to think about the return on the investment may not be for a year or it may be over the course of two or three years. But that's exactly what it is. When you have hundreds of thousands of people who are suddenly looking to build a desk and nobody knew that the pandemic was coming last fall when I wrote that post. But what a lovely surprise that there are all these people who are suddenly looking for how to build a desk out of countertops You can't get countertops at Lowe's or Home Depot right now because people are doing all of this. And that's kind of the way you have to think about Pinterest. The return on the investment is not going to be instantaneous. If you are looking for that, then you have to look for something else. But when you are dealing with hot, especially high dollar items that are not going to be a kind of quick click instant purchase, Pinterest is where you are going to get your money back over the long term. So if I had a partner, I didn't happen to have a a partner on that post about building a desk out of countertops, but if I had had a partner and I had had a link, I have had hundreds of thousands of people who have come to this. I've gotten emails from people. I used your instructions. Thank you so much. I had a question about this. Could I better do this? I mean, I've, I've gotten hundreds of emails over the summer from people about that post. 
So given that, if I had had a partner for that particular post, they would have been getting all those recommendations and all of that traffic potentially and orders on countertops. Here we are a year later. So I guess when I think about, you know, when you're thinking about brand partnership and when people who are in marketing are thinking about this, think about Pinterest as this long, slow burn, which of course is actually what you want for your business. You want continued results, not just the instantaneous spikes and fluctuations, because you never know what's coming next around the corner. So you want something that's going to deliver sustained results. And that is really what Pinterest is all about. And working with people who are really focused on SEO Pinterest and Google. Yeah. I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, quite literally when it came to building your, uh, you know, your desk, but um, outside of that though, right? Like this fact that Instagram as a platform, you know, is something it goes live and it dies. Like, I think the real power here is the fact that like virality comes into play and like the, the long-term game, the long-term effect of working with someone who has a, you know, powerful platform in a specific category that your product resides in. The fact that there's the opportunity to see residual clicks, residual traffic, residual income, like there's so much power and opportunity in that. And I think the key difference here is, you know, most likely if you are working on a one-time activation, say flash deal, right? I definitely do not think that working with someone who has a credible and like very vast Pinterest reach and kind of, you know, clicks such as yourself, Angela, that might not necessarily be the, the, the game plan for a marketer who's listening to this, right? I think the game plan is if they have a product that's like a cornerstone of their business, it's one of their signature products. It's one of their signature bags. If you're a bag company, it's signature top, right? Really working with someone who has like incredible, incredible reach in that specific category, that's most likely like going to gain significantly more return over time than just doing a Instagram post that will cease and desist after 24 hours of time. Exactly. And one of the things that I think is really kind of critical and interesting too, for example, I think about, I have a good friend who is a professional photographer and her, her kind of area of expertise is family photographs. So she would be a fantastic person for fashion brands to work with. It's not what kind of your normal relationship might be, but she makes recommendations every year about this is what your family should wear for your Christmas pictures or, you know, senior portraits or whatever. For her to say, this brand has really great ideas and here are some three great jeans looks, for example, that would be great for your family's pictures to be taken in October for example. That is a question that people are constantly Googling or looking for on Pinterest. And that is something that's very visually beautiful to look for. And even though fashion changes over time, if you have a brand that's, that sponsors that particular post and, you know, here's some great family looks and I don't know, maybe it's Hannah Anderson or something like that. And this is a great way to market it. And she puts it out there. You're going to get traffic year after year after year. And while that particular item may not be available, you sell, it's your style. So you sell that kind of look 
most every fall. So people will, there will be traffic looking for those kinds of pieces, those basic pieces year after year. And if you end up with a post that even in, even in an industry where there's a lot of high turnover in inventory, if you are looking at establishing some of those very basic concepts with a Pinterest heavy partner, you're still going to get a return year after year, even if that particular product is not available. If that so makes sense. in some interesting way, I, we've been doing a lot of conversations here, you know, over on our business about the power of subscription versus one-off offerings, right? And I actually really think at the end of the day, that is the difference between Pinterest versus an Instagram post. An Instagram post is a one-time purchase, right? It is a, it's, I bought a pair of shoes and done. But a Pinterest, like the, the working with someone who has a really strong, robust Pinterest, like account platform and really understands it as a platform, that's like really thinking about it as like a subscription. And so like each month you can kind of rely on that traffic, which as a marketer, that's invaluable. The amount of energy and time and investment that goes into selling and creating one thing, like a, you know, a pair of shoes again. It's so like that time spent, imagine if you spent that time working with someone who can bring traffic for years and years to come, like that's invaluable, right? So, you know, I think one of the biggest bottlenecks when it comes to marketers working with people such as yourself, Angela, is really that search and discovery process. And so I wonder for you and for the people listening to this episode, you know, by nature, the way Instagram is set up is it's very easy to scroll through hashtags and, you know, find people who have a visual platform. And Pinterest isn't necessarily quite like that because what would happen, say, maybe I'm looking for mid-century decor on uh, Pinterest and I come to your account, but, you know, the way Pinterest is set up is it's kind of a, there's a, there's a specific split. And I know um, we actually had a really great episode with a woman named Alexa Webb for everyone who's listening. Um, During our first season, we talked about the intricacies of setting up a really strong, like Pinterest uh, strategy, but we talked a lot about, you know, the fact fact is the matter, like not every pin goes directly. You, you, there's some repin strategy too, is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, as a marketer, it's kind of more difficult for me to come to your page and see, okay, um, this is Angela's pin. And then this is someone else's pin. There's like a real strategy to that. So I think one of the issues is it's not so easy to understand, like, what is the kind of content that you're creating to drive traffic to your site versus someone else? So what would your recommendations be? Because I mean, like right off the bat, I think we just like really established something powerful here that I want to talk about forever, this idea of subscriptions versus one-off purchases and how that literally applies to different social platforms. Like Instagram is a one-off purchase and subscriptions are really Pinterest and really thinking about a robust SEO uh, strategy as well as YouTube. So what would your recommendations be for marketers when it comes to finding someone that aligns with their general product that can drive residual traffic to their, like their company's page over and over and over again for months and years to come? So one of the questions I would want to ask is how much of your traffic comes from Pinterest as a percentage? Because I think that is an incredibly valuable metric to look at. What that means is that not only are pins being saved, which is valuable, especially when you're talking about something that is as visually rich as home decor, for example. But then how many times are people clicking that? And I would want a long range number. Like over the course of a year, how many clicks do you get from Pinterest? And that is one thing that I think marketing professionals tend to miss is that Pinterest is very seasonal. 
there are huge arcs and dips in people's Pinterest visits because people are answering different questions at different times of the year, especially in things like home decor. I mean, that makes sense, right? As someone, as someone who recently just got engaged, the wedding season is around a certain time. And so the like wedding industry is going to see ebbs and flows. We're looking for different things. Christmas, you know, search, it it completely plummets at a certain time of year because no one's looking for Christmas decor during the summer. Right. So that makes complete sense. But what you're saying, I just want to clarify your point here quickly. So for you as a marketer, I should be looking for people who across the board say I was really maybe taken aback by the image or I found something that seemed interesting and like the repin writers, some of the data that I saw on the pin really stood out to me. So something that would be beneficial to me, I just want to clarify this really precisely. So something that'll be, I should look for as a marketer is how much traffic this person gets from Pinterest month over month, because that means they have a strong Pinterest strategy. Is that what you're saying? Or is this something that me as a content creator, I should be thinking about? Well, it sounds like I should be thinking about that, but who are we specifically kind of speaking to right now? The marketer who's trying to find the perfect person on Pinterest to work with? I would say both because you want somebody who has a really strong Pinterest game, but you also want somebody who has a really strong understanding of how the year fluctuates. I'll give you an example. So one of the metrics on Pinterest is views. That is sort of an important metric, but that fluctuates enormously. So some months, your views may be, it might be over a million people, and other months, it might be 400,000 people, all for the same account. That just has to do with how much content do you have pinned that people are looking for at that particular time? So unlike Instagram, where there is some value in the average views and followers and all of those kinds of things, because that is a snapshot and your Instagram post from three weeks ago basically has no value and no legs anymore. In Pinterest, it's really different. So you have to think about it over the long term. So if I have a conversation with a brand, I want to talk with them about the last year, this has been my arc. And this is the kind of traffic that I am getting. And as somebody who's writing content, as a content creator, I am also thinking about that arc. And I am writing content a couple of months ahead of time, anticipating that the 4th of July traffic is going to start picking up in the middle of June. So I want to have some pins out by the end of May at the very latest so that they can start picking up traffic for the 4th of July. I remember learning about this. It's like in order for you to be a part of any comp, like part of like, you know, be a part of any successful search, you have to get ahead of it. It's something called, there's like a long, it's not long tail. There was a term for it, but so for you, you know, I even think like maybe just in general, like companies are now like way ahead of thinking about holiday, right? So same kind of thing, you know, we now, need to be pinning uh, to be successfully a part of like holiday home decor searches around Thanksgiving as people are kind of getting ramped up. It's crucial to look to those who are like already kind of thinking like that because that's really where the virality comes in into play. Exactly. And you know, when you're looking for as a brand, if you're looking for someone who is a Pinterest partner, you want to find somebody who has lovely photographs 
but they also have to look attainable. So one of the things that I have personally found is that the photographs that translate from the most saves as a pin to the most visits are not always the most beautiful photographs because I think as people save things in their account, you save things that are aspirational. But when you're going to go back and actually do that, for example, project, you want to know that it's not a photograph that's just on some roundup from a bunch of people. And, you know, here's how you could do this. If you're looking for instructions for how to do something, you're going to click on the photo that says, this is how you build a desk out of countertop, for example. You're not going to click on the photo that just shows something that's really lovely because most of the time, this is one of the hard things about Pinterest, most of the time when you click on that, it doesn't actually take you to the instructions. So you have to have somebody, when you're working with someone, you want to make sure that you have a variety of different kinds of pins because saving a pin is lovely and is helpful. And that's a long-term, that's part of that long-term strategy, but actually clicking through on that pin is important too. So I'm always careful that I have both kinds of images and I have both kinds of pins. Here's the aspirational, this looks really lovely. And then here's an image of the nitty gritty because it's the nitty gritty pins that tend to get clicks and views more than the aspirational ones do. That makes complete sense. And I think, you know, I'm actually kind of thinking, hearing from you, Angela, as I know many, many incredible marketers um, in the industry that many listen to this podcast, I think one of the reasons I, I just figured it out, why we as people are not thinking outside of the lens of our friends at Instagram is because the long-term game, it, it, it takes longer. There's time, time involved. And as a society, we don't have time, right? So you have just laid out this incredible process and strategy that we will be leaving in the show notes as well for everyone listening. But such a methodical way of finding someone to really align yourselves with. If you are a marketer selling a product, finding you, thinking about the kinds of content, you just laid it out so well. I think the issue is though, because really one of the reasons, the things I'm trying to solve is why do people not look to other platforms? I know for a fact, I can't tell you how many conversations I've been a part of where it's like, all right, you can either throw up a pin or do a tweet, right? That is such a, like a passive thing to say. If Pinterest has this Power, why are we not saying here's a comprehensive like you need to do x y and z um let's do x y and z i want to learn a little bit about your account and let's really like dive deeply so i can see the greatest return i really think angela it's a matter of time that is why uh people are so inclined to just let's do a one-off instagram post because we have a campaign coming up and as an agency we want to heat we want to meet our clients you know expected reach or impressions right it's this matter of time and i I think as an industry, right? And you know what? I think the time is now because, you know, I come from this world a few years ago. It was so easy to get a ton of money, a ton of capital and sell stuff on Facebook through Facebook ads and sell stuff on Instagram through Instagram ads. Also Pinterest too, but Pinterest is, it was 
a little different because it, a lot of the the pinned ads also kind of were it was, it, the entire strategy was very similar to what you're talking about, but there was just money behind it as a company, so it was easier to, to reach more people, right? But it seems like the fact that like there's really time involved that's the bottleneck. But as companies, as marketers listening to this episode, you know we're going to hit a ceiling, and there's going to be a point in time where there's only so much money that you can spend on Facebook and your your CPA or your cost per acquisition to acquire a customer is going to be astronomical. And one of the reasons why I became so keen on just social media at large was actually when I used to work on the brand side of things, um, I worked for a plus size clothing subscription box and we really struggled to sell product through Instagram, which makes sense, right? It's a passive platform. And we started kind of maneuvering around on the internet and realized like over 80% of our customers found out about plus fashion through Pinterest. So we started working with Pinterest, women on Pinterest who had cornered the market on pins related to plus fashion. And our click rate to our website was through the roof. So I think it also just kind of is a secondary effect. It's important for any business to really understand their core customer, right? Because if I, of course, am selling to 21-year-olds, Pinterest is not really where 21-year-olds are. They're on TikTok. They're, you know, they're on Snapchat. They're on TikTok, really, right? But if I'm a mom, if I am someone who just got married at, or, you know, is planning a wedding, you better believe I'm going out of my way to look on Pinterest. And so really taking the time to find those who have cornered the market on certain search queries, that is crucial because at the end of the day, you're going to see residual traffic back to your website. So I think it's really a matter of time, but it's also a matter of understanding who your core audience is, right? And I think the reason why so many companies really are struggle with this term content creator and influencer is because they have, you know, the ones that have really seen success in scaling their influencer programs are the companies that have understood where their customer is. Their customer is on Instagram, their customer is on YouTube, right? And so if your customer is on Pinterest, think about ways that you can work with someone such as Angela who goes to Pinterest for design inspiration and are looking for these DIY hacks and create a custom strategy around that, right? So you get that residual traffic. I feel like that's really the issue, but also potentially the solution to what we've kind of been talking about throughout this episode. I'm curious your thoughts though. I I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think one of the things, it's hard for marketers because they want to be able to see, I spent $10,000 or $100,000 on this campaign and the return on on the investment may be over the course of a year and a half or two years. That can be, when you're looking at a balance sheet, harder to justify. But the return on the investment is going to be greater because you have a wider audience that is more specifically looking for exactly what you are selling. And I think that is really important and sometimes hard to, it's sometimes hard to digest, but that really truly is the beauty of Pinterest, that you may spend $5,000 working with a particular content creator on a project, let's say, but that $5,000, unlike the $5,000 you might spend with an Instagrammer, that $5,000 could have a three to five year lifespan with those pins and that traffic or even beyond. 
And that is kind of an astonishing lifespan for an advertising product, as opposed to an ad in a newspaper or, you know, an, an ad online or something in a magazine. Those kinds of things and the kind of the more traditional ways of advertising, and certainly we don't think about print advertising in quite the same way that we used to, but in some ways, Pinterest is more of, it's more like print advertising. It has a longer burn rate. It has a longer life. And you have to think about it as a longer term investment. You can do other things like you can pay people to boost pins. You can boost pins yourself. You can, you, there are all kinds of things. I mean, part of the thing about being a content creator, if you are West Elm, for example, and you are working with a content creator who is using your stuff, you have more pins that you can pin that do have links back to your product. And so all of those things working together, it is, it is a long-range strategy, and it should be part of every company's long-range strategy in terms both of brand awareness, but also um, kind of return on investment with products and selling, selling high-quality products. I hope what we learn as marketers is we are continuing to go digital. We need to start thinking smarter and not working harder. And I think the instant gratification of posts is not part of a successful long-term strategy. And so for everyone listening, I really recommend thinking about where your core customer is. And then from there, taking notes on this episode and really thinking about ways that you can build a, a strategy around Pinterest and listen to people such as yourself. Find those who have a lot of pins when you're like, if you're searching for a specific topic and you see Angela's pins up, you know, and you see like seven pins within a a certain topic, you better believe she knows a lot about that certain category, right? Reach out, start the conversation because really at the end of the day, and I think that this is just a secondary effect that I think it's so crucial in the influencer marketing and content creator industry is brands need to listen to you to understand what will perform the best. So taking that time to see who is a credible, relevant voice in this industry. And then from there saying, how can I, most successfully drive conversions. And from there, coming up with a custom strategy for the brand, that's really where I hope to see the industry grow. Because at the end of the day, you know this platform the best. You have built an entire business around this. And hearing from you and listening to you and saying, what will work for me? That as a company is how you're going to see residual income from Pinterest. And again, back to the subscription model, the subscription idea, that's how you see long-term traffic. Like, you know, over time and maybe you invest right now. And when maybe you have like a dip in marketing spend, you don't have as much to spend. You better believe that you can rely on those pins because it's, it's holiday. You know, those pins perform really well each holiday season and you're going to get that residual traffic. So I I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm so excited that we were able to talk about this. And I, I hope that at the end of the day, and I believe in my heart that having more conversations like this will allow us as an industry to shift a little bit and not be so committed and focused on Instagram. I completely agree. And I think one of the things that's really important for brands to remember and understand about Pinterest too, is that 
Pinterest is a wider net. So let's say you only have 800 followers only on um, Instagram, or I'm sorry, on Pinterest, for example. That does not mean that your content is only shown to 800 people, unlike Instagram, where if you have 800 followers, the fraction of people who are going to see your, your content is very, very small. Pinterest is a search engine. It is not social media. It is completely different. And when you invest in that, when you invest in someone who has 800 followers on Pinterest, there is no restriction on how many people actually see that person's content. And so that is a really important distinction. If you are wise and careful about how that campaign that you and that content creator develop, you get millions of eyes on that content, not just the follower count or whatever, because as you're targeting, you're thinking about exactly who your client is and who who is going to buy that particular product. When you are targeting that campaign very carefully, there are no boundaries with Pinterest where there are with Instagram. We don't control who gets to see our content on Instagram. We are the servants of the algorithm. Yep. And that's not really the case on Pinterest, yeah. which is very refreshing and freeing. Yeah. This, I think, is one of the reasons why I frustrate it. I, I'm so frustrated with it as a platform is you work so hard to build content, right? And suffocating your reach so you can only see like only, you know, a quarter of the people who follow you can see it. Like that is not okay. Right. Like really at the end of the day, if a post is performing well, I think it just in general, your content needs to be seen by people. And I understand that, you know, at the end of the day, that the more, the better your reach is on your posts, like the opportunity to go live on Instagram and like the explore feed and things like that. But at the end of the day, that's such an arbitrary thing. Like really the fact that you're working so hard on a piece of content and YouTube and TikTok and Pinterest, are really built to continue to push your content to the top and keep it relevant for months and years to come. To your point, like if it's a really, really powerful pin related to the holiday season, that's the kind of thing that's going to keep getting surfaced every holiday season. That's really, in terms of level of effort across the board, that's where your effort should be if that's where your, your customer is. So Angela, I guess my last question for you as we, we end our conversation and I, I hope everyone took notes because there was such great insight and advice here. Where do you hope you see this industry going in the next year, two years, three years? And really, how do you hope that brands and amazing entrepreneurs such as yourself who have blogs and operate on different social media channels as well, how do you hope you see the relationships between brand marketers and uh, content creators and influencers such as yourself coming together so we as an industry can grow? One of the things that I really hope is that brands start to look at a diversity of people to work with. And I think that really would benefit them. A smaller account, for example, that has a really good Pinterest game, even if they are a smaller blog, if they are doing well on Pinterest, you are making a long-term investment in that account for probably less money than you would potentially for a larger account. And those kinds of investments not only are you investing in good content creators, if you like what they are creating and you are willing to invest in that content creator, you both are going to benefit. And I think if we start to see this as a mutually beneficial thing, 
the content creator investing in a smaller account is going to help them move forward, but it is also going to help your brand in a much longer arc and thinking about things in a much longer timetable than just the next 30 days. I think that's a really critical way to start to think about brand awareness, to start to think about brand loyalty, and to also start to think about sales and click conversions and all of those kinds of things, that it's not just about the next 30 days or the next five minutes or whatever it is, but that it is a longer period of time. I, you know, I've been a Pinterest user since about the first 30 days that they were, it was available. I lived yeah. in Francisco at that point in time. I have watched how this has kind of transformed as a user. And I see the power of that longevity, which is really, really important for brands. And if you recognize that and are willing to work with people using that as a tool with a long range strategy, I think that the benefits for a brand are just enormous. Absolutely enormous. Well, I cannot wait to see where this industry goes. And I believe that conversation is really how we all grow as individuals in our personal and professional lives. So I really think having conversations like this and listening to what other people have to say, because if you don't learn from people, we're not going to grow. And if you don't go to the source directly and ask, what can I do better to make sure I am actually seeing return with my money, then you're not going to grow as as a company and a marketer, right? So I hope that we can have more conversations like this one. That is my hope for where this industry goes and hearing from people such as yourself, Angela, who have been at the forefront of utilizing these platforms to tell a story, to drive impact and build content on your website. I think that really is is the secret to success here. So Angela, my last question um, for all listeners, if they want to learn more about all of your amazing DIY tips and tricks and any marketers listening to this podcast who, you know, are in the DIY home decor space who want someone obviously who's incredible to work with, where can they find you just so we can learn more about you and follow along on all of your amazing home decor adventures? So my blog is midmodernmama.com. I'm also midmodernmama on Instagram and on Pinterest. So you can find me in all three of those places. I love it. Um, Consistency. That's what it's all about, right? (laughs) Well, Angela, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so much fun. um, And I know, I hope everyone listening to this episode gained as much value as I personally did as possible. We took so much in this episode and I can't not thank you enough. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Julian. It's been so fun. Since you've made it this far, don't forget to subscribe to the Bloggist podcast over on iTunes so you never miss another episode. Show your support by giving us a five-star rating and taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it on Instagram stories. We always love seeing who's tuning in. And for more information about Bloggist, check out bloggist.co. That's B-L-O-G-I-S-T dot co. For influencers, think of Bloggist as your personal manager. We're here to crunch the data about your audience, help you identify ways to grow your online following, and discover ways to monetize your social media channels. And for brands, Bloggist gives you all of the qualitative and quantitative data necessary to find the perfect digital influencers to work with who will help you build your brand and convert new customers. That's all for this week. See you next time.